Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. That's Samuel here. He's at the end, but he's done well, and he's done it for a long time. And I just would encourage all of us, we want to do well. We don't want to be up and down in our walk with the Lord. We want there to be a consistent, just a consistent pattern of faithfulness. So I would encourage young people, here's the lie our culture tells young people. And old folks sometimes agree with it. Our culture tells young people, you know what, you got to kind of get out there when you're young and just kind of mess up, sow your oats, and then, and then come back around. The problem is some people never make it back around. Perhaps the greatest testimony to God is a long life lived faithfully serving Him. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will examine the life of Samuel as he will debunk the narrative that a former life lived in sin is the only testimony that has great power. While it is a miraculous work of the Lord to rescue people from destructive lifestyles, that same power exists in those who faithfully follow Him from a young age. Don't wait to devote your life to God. He wants to do great things through you today. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We're at the point now where uh, Samuel's getting ready to hand off to Saul. So remember the people first, you know, rejected God as king and they wanted a king. And so Samuel went to the Lord about that. God told Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. It's okay. And God is granting them their wish. God selected Saul. Uh, He anointed Saul. He poured out his spirit upon Saul, all that we saw in the last couple of weeks. Well, today, Samuel's getting ready to kind of back off a bit. Samuel's been the leader of Israel. He's led as a prophet. He's led as a judge. He's been the man of God ever since he was a little boy. Um, But he's getting ready to hand off. So I I titled the message tonight, Passing the Torch. Uh, We'll see some things that Samuel does intentionally. Um, as he's getting ready to pass the torch, he wants to he wants to make sure he leaves with a, a good name. So uh, he, he, he goes into a little bit of his history with the people. But he also was careful to hand things over to Saul and that the people would understand, hey, this is God's guy. Now, this is the guy that God has given you guys as an answer to your request to lead you. There's some important lessons, I uh, believe, that we can get through this chapter, one of which uh, we'll see throughout this book, but in this chapter in particular, the importance of paying attention to God's plans over and above our own plans. Everybody here has a plan for yourself. And, you know, that's a difficult thing because uh, our plans, we, we wouldn't have them if we didn't think they were good, right? And when I make a plan for me, I think that's a good plan. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good plan. That plan makes good sense to me when I made it. But You know, that's the thing about walking under the lordship of Jesus Christ is that my little, you know, finite mind, the best plan that I can do, it may disagree with God and his infinite wisdom has chosen for me. Anybody here ever God had had God redirect your plans? Right. Okay. so many of us. Right. I'm definitely in my life. I've had God redo my plans. And and I'm glad as I look back on it. I'm like, God, you knew what you was doing. Um. But when he did it, it didn't always feel like he, you know, it's always sometimes it felt like, why, God? You know, and as time goes by, you're like, oh, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful for his nose now. I'm learning. I have learned, but I'm continuing to learn every time a new situation comes up that 
God's ways and God's will is always better than what I come up with apart from him. So I got to be humble uh, with my plans. You got to hold your plans lightly. I'm not saying don't make plans. Um, don't have a raggedy life saying, well, I'm just going to let God do whatever. You know, you make some plans, but hold them lightly enough that God can readjust, readjust them. If God says something else, you just you let your plans go and you roll with his program. So with that, in this chapter, uh, we're going to watch Samuel prepare to hand over the torch to Saul. So look at chapter 12, starting in verse one. It says, now Samuel said to all Israel, indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now there is now and now here is the king walking before you. And I am old and gray headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. So let me stop right there. I want you to I want this is some important things that Samuel is saying in all this address. First, he says, um, you know, indeed, I've heeded your voice. This is what Samuel is saying. Y'all ask for this. It, this is the king that y'all finna get. This is what y'all had wanted. This, this is exactly what you guys asked for. So I want you to note the, the language. He says, I have heeded your voice and all that you said to me and made a king over you. Then he says, now here is the king walking before you. I am old and gray headed. And look, my sons are with you. Circle that word with. So I've heard a couple of interpretations on this. One, I think is incorrect. So I heard one guy on this and he was sharing and he said that. Now, remember in chapter eight, we found out that Samuel's sons weren't doing well with the Lord. You guys remember that? Uh, if you want to write it down in your notes, write down chapter eight uh, of first of, of Samuel, write down chapter eight, verses one through four. I'll read it to you. Um, it says, now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of the second was Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So the reason the people came to Samuel to say, give us a king, they said, man, you're old. You about to go. And your sons are not good guys, man. Your sons out here taking bribes and making bad decisions. They not fit to be. They not going to they not going to be a good stand in for you when you're done here. So some people have suggested when it says here, when Samuel says, I'm old and gray headed and look, my sons are with you that I heard a couple of guys preach this or share this as though, hey, they came back to the Lord. What a great story. And and you can have hope that your kids will come back to the Lord, too. Unfortunately, that would be great if that were true, but it's not the case. Um, when it says my sons are with you, it means among you. They're not up here leading you. They're down here. They're my sons. They look, I don't move them out of the judge position. I'm old. And here my sons are down there among you. So why is that important? This is says something about Samuel. It's important for a leader to a leader of God's people to care about God's people supremely. He needs to care about God's people more than his, his even your own family. These, God's put you over his people. You can't put your kids in a position that they don't belong in just because you're the guy. That's inappropriate. That would be wrong. That would be unfaithful to his job, which is to care for God's people. You've been notified that your sons ain't doing right. Now, Samuel would have had a bird's eye view as he lived in the temple with Eli, whose sons didn't do right. And Eli was punished because he didn't do anything about it. He knew they were doing bad stuff in the temple and he let it be. And so God killed him and his son for that sin. 
That was Samuel's first prophetic word. So uh, it would make sense to me that Samuel's like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> y'all, y'all jokers ain't going to get me in trouble with the Lord. Y'all going to sit down somewhere. So uh, here's another evidence that they weren't raised up as leaders. There's no other mention of them. There's no mention later of them doing something for the Lord. So um, if they had been raised up, we'd surely hear anybody God appoints and anoints and raises up. You're going to hear what they did for the Lord. Um, there isn't anything that these boys did for the Lord. So um, it's appropriate to view this as it reads that they're down there among you guys. So I just want to point that out for us. So this also speaks to Samuel's integrity and how he valued the ministry that God had given him to care for his people. He told them, um, I've walked before you since my childhood to this day. And so, you know, Samuel says, since I've been a kid, I've been here before you guys. He's been serving the Lord since he was a child. When I look at an older man that has been walking with the Lord faithfully for many years, and he's in his older age, but he's been faithful to his wife and faithful to his kids and faithful to the church, and he's old, when I see men like that, I'm like, man, God, I, I want to take in. I want to. That's what I want to be. One day I'm going to be an old man. My son thinks I'm an old man now, but I ain't that old yet, fella. But, uh, you know, when I see guys like that that are in that, that latter phase, it's like, man, that's that's the aim. You know, I look at a Chuck Smith who served the Lord from his youth, married his wife in the Bible college. And he served the Lord his whole life. No blemish. You know, went to heaven to be with the Lord with a with a trail of amazing work behind him. I look at Billy Graham, who, you know, many, you know, decades of presidents, no matter what they were, you know, politically, they were hearing from him. He was he was God's man to speak a word to these presidents and share the gospel. Thousands of people come to Christ through his ministry and boom, he goes to heaven to be with the Lord. I'm looking at Tony Evans, solid brother, all his life, faithful to the Lord, served in ministry, you know, Faithful husband, godly children, you know, and 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 he's, you know, you can see he's getting ready to hand it off. He got some he got a son and a daughter that can do the thing, you know. So but I look and I think, man, it's, it's admirable to me that this man is, you know, he's doing he's doing well. And he's, he's, he's you know, he's getting into the latter phase. And so that's Samuel here. He's just at the end, but he's done well and he's done it for a long time. And I just would encourage all of us. We want to do well. We don't want to be up and down. And I walk with the Lord. We want there to be a consistent, just a consistent pattern of faithfulness. So I would encourage young people. Here's the lie our culture tells young people and old folks sometimes agree with it. Our culture tells young people, you know, what? you got to kind of get out there when you're young and just kind of mess up. sow your oats and then and then come back around. The problem is some people never make it back around. So it seems like the A plan is that you would really commit to the Lord young and never turn back just to keep going with the Lord from a young person. That seems to be the best case scenario. Uh, that's to me, that's, that's my John Corson. Um, you know, these, some of these guys that just, they just, when did you know the Lord? I just, man, I don't know when I, when I actually met the Lord, they just, they've always, you know, no one has always known the Lord, but understand this, if you've grown up and since you were a kid, you knew the Lord and you can't, you, know, you don't have, you, you don't remember ever sinning. You, you may have been five stealing gum or something like that at home, at, you know, lying to mom, but you ain't never really been out there. You've always been covered and kept. That's a beautiful testimony too. that. Some people don't think that's a testimony, but it is. It's the testimony of God have kept me. I've been doing that Samuel's testimony, man. I was dedicated to the Lord as a baby. My mom nursed me and handed me over and I've been serving the Lord since then. Um, and so, you know, 
I just want, yeah, sometimes we think that's not a testimony. I've had kids, I did youth ministry, and they were like, well, I'm going to go get my test. Don't, that's so, so stupid, you know? I'm, I'm going to go get my testimony. Uh, like, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to make it back from getting your testimony. So uh, keep the one you got. Amen? All right, verse three now. Here I am. He says, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. His anointed here is a reference to Saul. Saul is the person God has anointed to be the leader. Um, and this, this is what Samuel says. He's basically challenging the people to, you know, have I done any of these things among you? Whose ox have I taken or whose donkey have I taken or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, you have not cheated us uh, or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And so this is what Samuel's saying. Before you guys, I'm about to be done. I want to make sure you're, that my slate is clean before you guys. Have I robbed anybody? Have I taken advantage of you guys? Have I taken a bribe? And they say, no. Here's why this is important. He's getting ready to hand things over to Saul. And he's saying, look, I'm handing things over in good condition. I haven't messed over nobody. I haven't taken over. If you ever watch political changes... Always the new guy says, well, I'm in here cleaning up with the old guy. You know, uh, here I'm here to save you. I'm the fix it for you guys. Samuel's letting them know, look, I, I left things in good condition. I haven't taken advantage of nobody. I haven't been ripping people off. That's not what's happening. I'm handing things over to you in good condition. And my name is good. And if it weren't, y'all could tell me right now. Imagine the integrity you got to have to put this out there, because if you had some dirt, Somebody in the crowd be like, ah, ah, Samuel, I, I, you, you took a bribe from me. Somebody will have something to say. But he knows that his name is clean. His testimony is solid. So uh, verse five, it says, then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed. Again, that's speaking of Saul and his anointed is witness. His anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And again, um, this is Samuel saying, look, I, I'm leaving in good condition. I'm in good standing. And they answered, he is witness. And so he said, look, you guys are witness yourselves. If after I die, somebody say, well, Samuel did. No, nah, no, nah, you guys are witness. And the Lord is witness today that everybody is in agreement that I'm in good standing. Again, this is important because as Samuel fades off the scene and Saul comes in, whatever Saul does, whatever mess comes, it's not what Samuel left. It'll be Saul's situation. And so um, he's handing things over. And this is another solid leadership principle. If, you, if God were to bless you to be over something, you want to hand it over in good condition. Uh, you don't want it to be rough for the guy that comes in behind you. Um, if, if it's particularly if it concerns God's people. Um, I've been a part once of, of handing a ministry over. I did youth ministry for 12 years. And what I learned as you get going doing youth ministry is there's never a good time to leave the kids. Um, either I got a group of kids that I've had for four years. And so I don't want to leave them. They're like, we're at the end. I got a group of kids I've had for three years. I'm almost done with them. But I also got a group of kids I just got started with. And I remember as I was doing it, it was like, I, man, I don't. how do I leave this? Like, I, how do you ever leave this ministry? Because... There's always a group that you want to finish with, a group that you're and, and all the kids will be like, you're going to leave me now. You know, and so um, I remember battling with that. And then the Lord gave me the guy that was going to take over. And, and that was the Lord said, give him everything you got. Just make sure I mean, hand him, give him everything you got. They let me take him with me, um, bring him the stuff, have him, you know, teaching. And it was like 
I got to hand them over. So I'm going to give this guy everything I got do my best to hand it over in great condition and, and share everything I can. So I think that's important. If God blesses you to oversee ministry or to be over people in any way, you don't want to hand things over in terrible condition. You want to hand things over in good condition. And so uh, we should all take heed to that, particularly if we, if we have some way, some place of service to the Lord. Verse six. Now, it says, then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did, which he did to you and to your father. So um, here Samuel is getting ready to rehearse to them what God has done for them. Um, again, he's reminding them. And this is this is if I could break it down. This is essentially what he's going to do to the people. He's going to say, look, God has been so good to you guys. And it's you guys after all of that decided you didn't want him. He's just kind of putting it in their face one more time as I'm getting ready to leave you with this king. Uh, I want you all to know that y'all did this after, after y'all did this after God has been so good to you. And so he's he's in, he's going to remind them. Now, I'm going to say this. Sometimes we, is it wrong to put something in somebody's face? Is it wrong to say, hey, let me show you. Look at look at what look at what you're doing. Um, I used to think hey, you shouldn't tell people I told you so. But I've actually found in scripture where people say, I told you, I told you not to do that. Like it, it's a I'm telling you this time so you don't continue the pattern of not not listening to the Lord. And so I think we want to be careful how. But Samuel is in effect. He's putting it in their face. Yeah, he said, look. Y'all did this. God has been faithful. God has been good. God delivered. God is God's history with y'all is good. And still y'all decided y'all want this joker right here where well, you got him. Um, he doesn't say it in such harsh terms, but listen, listen to how he puts it to them. He's going to rehearse to them God's faithfulness, um, what God has done for them. And so he already mentioned in verse six, it was the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and brought their fathers up from the land of Egypt. So remember that they were they were slaves and they cried out for deliverance. And God raised up Moses and Aaron and delivered them from Egypt. Now look at verse eight. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. So we see two aspects of God's, you know, providence, God's care for his people, his deliverance and his discipline. When you guys were in Egypt in bondage and cried out, I delivered you. I heard your cry and I sent the deliverer. I sent Moses and Aaron to deliver you. I took care of you. Then notice where things went wrong. This is so important and we can read over it really, really fast. It says in verse nine in the beginning, and when they forgot the Lord, their God, write that, underline that, highlight that in your Bibles. It was when they forgot the Lord that they begin to sin and they begin to rebel and they fell into idolatry. And God said, mm, now in discipline, I'm going to raise up Sisera. I'm going to raise up an, an adversary. They're going to take you guys captive. And, you know, you guys need to be broken. Um, and so that you guys will come back to the recognition that you need me. Understand that God's discipline is it's also his love and his kids. Now, we don't enjoy discipline, but discipline is God. God says in, in Hebrews that he only disciplines those that he loves. Right. 
Um, and so nobody likes discipline. He says that in Hebrews that no discipline is pleasant at the present time. But afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. So discipline bears fruit if we learn from it, if we if we if we take advantage and we can be trained by it. Amen. So God can deliver. God could also discipline. Here's the thing. We determine what we get from God. So if you being spanked by the Lord, that's you. That's because that's you out there forgetting and rebelling. When do people tend to forget? Let me. This is so important. And you see this in the book of Judges. Judges goes in the cycle. The cycle of the book of Judges is the people were they were in bondage because they had disobeyed previously. They finally get sick of being in bondage and they cry out to God. God has mercy on them, listens to their prayers, raises up a judge to deliver them, sends the judge, the judge delivers. That judge, usually about his lifetime, the people go back to serving the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yay, we serve the Lord. That judge dies. The people forget the Lord. They get comfortable again. They start looking around and they end up in idolatry again. God gets mad, lets the enemies of God, you know, take, take advantage of the people. And then however long they can live under bondage again, they stay until they cry out. And that's the whole cycle of the book of Judges. And I realize that that's some people's life. Some people's experience with God is just like that. They do well with the Lord for a little while. Then they get bored and they go do some dumb stuff and they get in trouble. And then now, now they're far from God and God is distant from them and they get disciplined. They finally get broken enough and they make their way back and it's all fresh. And it's all brand new with the Lord again. And that lasts for a while. Then they forget the Lord. How do we make sure we don't forget the Lord? Right. Because that's that's important. He says here, they forgot me. What do we do? What do we need to do to make sure that we don't forget the Lord? Particularly when things are going well. It seems like the cycle in Judges, the worst thing could happen for God's people then was for things to be going well. And sometimes that's how it is for us. When you're pressed, things aren't going well, you need a miracle, you need God to show up. Sometimes that's the most faithful version of you in the Lord when you need something from God. How do we get that to carry over to when man, we're comfortable? We're blessed. Things are well. How do we live with that same intense, passionate obedience when things are good that we live with when things are challenged? A couple things. Um, one, I believe it's why God wants us to have communion. He says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And we're to remember the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and what it, what it means for us. And again, as I stay in remembrance of him and of what he did, I need that. So I don't forget. So I don't, so I don't somehow forget and think that I'm doing something that I'm out here on my own. No, God, you did this. I'm I'm a result of your grace and your mercy. I don't deserve everything I have has been afforded to me through your grace and your mercy. It'll keep us humble. We need to stay in the word. You guys, every day I want to read the word and pray. Here's what happens. You read the word. You can be washed. Sometimes you're going to be encouraged. Sometimes you're going to be challenged. Sometimes you're going to be stirred. Sometimes you're going to be convicted. But as you stay in the word, it'll also keep you grounded. I realize I don't know it all. I realize how much I need him. I've found this, that when people are near to God, there's a humility uh, and, and a holiness. Right. When I'm near to God, anytime in scripture where someone was they, they knew they were in his presence, Immediately, it says they would fall on the floor. They would they would be aware of their own failures. Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah said as soon as they realized they were in God's presence, there was a, a humility and an awareness of their their lack, their weakness. I find when people are far from God, that that's when you're critical and cynical and complaining and, and all. When you're far from God, you don't see anything wrong with you. It's everybody else. 
And that's why it's so important that we stay near to the Lord, that there be an intimacy. When you find somebody critical of everybody, everybody else, one thing you know right away, they're not close to the Lord. Right. And, and when you f- start to feel critical of everybody else, you know right away, not close to the Lord. You get close to the Lord and there's, an, there's a humility that comes. Man, I'm not perfect. Lord, I'm going to be a little more gracious to people around me because the closer I get to you, the more aware I am of how imperfect I am. And there's a lot more grace to extend to the imperfect people around me. Amen. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.